to Doxed, the podcast. In this episode, our spotlight shines on Shannon Margaret Campbell, a YouTuber also known by her online moniker, Creep Show Art. Shannon captivates her audience with commentary, art, and storytime videos. However, beneath the surface of her content lies a darker narrative that has thrust her into the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. In June 2021, revelations emerged regarding Shannon's past transgressions and troubling behaviors. Exposed for her racist and transphobic comments on the notorious website, lolcow.farm, Shannon's words drew significant backlash and prompted a deep reflection on the implications of hate speech within the digital sphere. These revelations revealed a side of Shannon that starkly contrasted with the persona she presented to her audience. Beyond the controversial comments, Shannon's actions also unveiled a disturbing pattern of betrayal and obsession. She was accused of backstabbing and engaging in extensive stalking and online harassment of fellow creator Emily Artful, among others, spanning a decade of troubling behavior. The exposure of Shannon's actions begs us to confront the realities of cyberbullying, stalking, and the far-reaching consequences of online harassment. It is a stark reminder of the power dynamics that can develop within online communities, where anonymity, distance, and the power of inordinate social influence can embolden individuals to engage in harmful behaviors without immediate consequences. Join us as we delve into the story of creep show art. My first encounter with creep show art was I don't even know the date, but I, it was before the drama with Emily Artful. And I heard that video that she put out that was about her stalker pseudonym, Amy. And I remember being like, oh my God, that's terrible. It sounded like this story of just many years of being targeted by this person only to then see this other video where Emily Artful was like, nope, it was exactly the opposite reverse situation. And that basically mm-hmm. proved out as it seems to me. Um, but yeah, until that video, I don't think anybody really, I, I don't know. I do think she seemed just like a very relaxing person to listen to mm-hmm. and watch. I remember those things, both of those videos hitting my feed and just kind of mind blown at the time. And then I didn't even know about the lol cow stuff. I did not even know about that whole part of the story until I was looking stuff up the other day. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I was kind of introduced to Shannon on YouTube. I want to say around 2019, late 2019. And yeah, she did seem kind of like a comfort creator who would draw cute art and just kind of rant about things that were important to her. And she seemed pretty relatable for the most part. Yeah. It wasn't a like a long-term fan she wasn't like the go-to person I'd watch but I'd stumble upon her videos in my feed and watch at least for a little bit so it was kind of shocking to learn all this other stuff about her that didn't really seem to fit her persona yeah well she was always kind of controversial but she also seemed to be on the right side of a lot of issues but it's pretty jarring to see some of what she kind of said 
thinking it was private in contrast to the stuff she was saying publicly. Mm -hmm. But there were always, I mean, for a long time, I think people saw her as kind of a controversial creator. But the thing about her too is that she would always, she'd always like do a pretty good apology and kind of get through it and get people mostly to think she was trying and improving, you know? I think that's kind of like the YouTuber thing is the apology video. It's kind of like an art. I feel like <laughs> every long-term YouTuber has had to make the apology video where they wear the the gray hooded sweatshirt and, you know, it's kind of like a dreary background. I mean, at least she could get away with like drawing on camera, but I feel like every YouTuber has had their apology phase. Yeah, well, there's... It's kind of a smaller community than it feels like, I think. And they all, there are, there are patterns to what works on that platform. And I do think a lot of them go through, a lot of the early people on YouTube were extremely controversial. And by controversial, I mean, like, you think of like Onision and kind of people in that crowd and the, and they're doing some really nasty, like, things that you just can't even condone. Like, what are you even doing? <laughs> I mean, I think there's controversial people and there's just like downright problematic people. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do mean problematic, but somehow they just kept floating through. And I think part of it was getting the audience on their side after stuff came out because stuff kept coming out for a lot of those people early on, especially. And so, yeah, it kind of became like an art form of an apology video. Mm -hmm. well, so, go through this timeline. Yeah, it's a very long timeline, so I don't know how far into it will get or what will end up coming out in the wash here because it's a lot of um it's kind of niche drama but it all does feel important to understand to kind of get the whole picture because there's just a lot of players involved but it's it's a it's an overall pattern of behavior that makes a lot more sense than just kind of talking about any one of these stories by itself i think we should also clarify because of like the theme of the season is lol cows uh creep show art or shannon is not someone either of us consider really to be a lol cow or at least she didn't start out that way so i don't consider her to have been a lol cow maybe now i get the late stage of this drama but i don't really think she fits into the lol cow category she's something a little different well, she's, we were talking about maybe expanding the theme of the season to like lol cows and bullies or, yeah. And, and it seems like some of those, there's some straddling there. Like to even be on those forums, I feel like is, I don't know. I feel like there's some really bad energy in those, in those lol cow forums and Kiwi farms forums. And so to be all over those, it's like a certain kind of crowd. And I do feel like there's a lot of people that are interested in trolling that are really just like needing to convince themselves that they're one step up from something and they might not really be. <laughs> and I don't mm -hmm. know, like in this specific case, I don't think she's a lol cow, but I do think that it's like this whole kind of universe of what's going on in those forums that she's clearly been a part of for a couple of years. And yeah, I don't know what is going, going on going forward for that channel, but I do know uh, it was banned this year. It was banned in 2023 off of YouTube and I think it was for some kind of allegedly some kind of copyright thing, but I don't know if that's permanent or or what that looks like going forward. If if she'll even come back and do content after that, and I don't but, really know how you recover from the stuff that she's done that everybody knows about now. 
I mean, I don't think it's that. I think it's surprisingly not hard to recover, like, in a way. Like, she probably isn't going to get back. She had about half a million followers, too, which on YouTube is a totally different kind of accomplishment than on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very hard to gain that many followers on YouTube. She was big. But so I doubt she'll probably ever get back to that level. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised. It's very, I think... I think pretty easy to shake some shake getting canceled off in a way if you have the skin for it. Like if you're if you really kind of don't care about the, whatever you got canceled for and you just come back anyway, there mm-hmm. is going to be some kind of audience there waiting for you. And they're not necessarily going to be like, I don't know, they might be some people that don't know what's going on in the past or whatever, because you're able to rebrand or take enough distance. Or they might be people who are not very good people but either way i think it's pretty hard to cancel people who have any kind of following in the first place because people will go back to them and even bigger people like louis ck or whatever like he's he then went on tours and stuff after he got canceled i think it's very Mm -hmm. hard to really make somebody just go away and really not come back like they would have to be actually ashamed and usually i mean when it gets to the point of like really canceling somebody the whole reason that would be push to that point is because somebody couldn't take accountability because they were not ashamed. So I just Mm -hmm. think it's really difficult to really make somebody be done. So do you want to start going through the timeline? Yeah, let's go through it. Okay. So Shannon, whose channel name is Creepshow Art, was born on May 13th, 1993 in the United States. So she's 29 and a Taurus. And she lived in her van with her husband, Anthony Parker, for a few years and a lot of the early videos were recorded during that time. Shannon created her channel on April 4th, 2016 and started uploading videos on March 20th, 2018, starting out making story time videos. Uh, she did a series called Art Rage where she just kind of rants over over top of footage of her drawing stuff. And I feel like this is such a long timeline. I feel like it might be better to skip ahead of some of this. I think maybe we can just go through each one and just kind of stop and chat about why that's significant or maybe why it's not. Um, Like for instance, her having lived in her car, lived in her van with her husband Mm -hmm. and doing story time videos like that alone makes someone pretty relatable. Yeah. I think she had a huge level of relatability earlier in in her story. Like that's already very vulnerable and her artwork is good. Yeah. So it makes sense that people would gravitate even just to support the channel so that she can grow and maybe get out of that situation. Like that's a that's yeah. a big draw. Yeah, well, it's like an underdog story. And unfortunately, it kind of later came out that it seems to have been something they were in control of. Like they were they were uh, without a house by choice. But especially at that time, I don't think that was so clear. And I think it definitely was a big draw. Because people love an underdog story. Yeah. So I mean that brings it to the next point where uh PewDiePie's wife gave her a shout out. Like that is such an underdog rags to riches kind of thing to yeah. have the wife of the biggest YouTuber ever shout you out. That's huge. Yeah, I think Shannon did something smart there too, because she apparently kind of positioned her art to get the shout out and didn't and <laughs> I don't know. The person I was listening, I think I got it. Where did I sorry, let me check my source here really quick. It was Turkey Tom. (laughs) So I got that from the Turkey Tom video, but it said that she was, she did not put a lot of attention into that sketch, but just kind of positioned it so that it would get seen. So good for her. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then she's doing rage videos. And there's one where she explains that she used to run a Tumblr blog about the Jonas Brothers, which led to harassment of her less, at the time it was less popular account. She refers to the people harassing her as the SJWs and the Snowflakes. And she got blowback for depicting same-sex couples and POC, uh, they said appropriately, appropriately in her art. But I think a lot of people saw that as nitpicking too. Well, what was the Jonas Tumblr? Like, why are people mad about the Jonas Brothers stuff? Was she bashing them? Uh, I don't know. I really, I didn't ever look at her Jonas Brothers Tumblr. I don't know if it's accessible. But have you ever been on Tumblr? Do you know, like, the character of that platform? Um, I had a Tumblr account back in the day, but I never really understood how to use it. It didn't, it wasn't a platform that really made sense to me. So it wasn't one of a, it wasn't a big one for me. No. All right. I never really used it either, but I had a lot of artsy friends in the early 2000s that were into it, but I don't know. I feel like I want to say something about SJWs and snowflakes because I think that's obviously interesting language, but I'm not sure exactly what to say. I mean, it's, it definitely points to something only there's a certain type of person that uses that kind of language. I'd be curious to find out what she was saying about the Jonas Brothers because they're pretty like not problematic. Like, what could she have possibly said for people to harass her because of it? And then the whole SJW thing, I can only imagine what she must have said, but it's hard to speak to because we don't know. I want to find, like, I wish I knew what the art was that got blamed for that. Yeah. I want to know. Ooh, there's something called Trollpedia. Wow, I didn't even see this. Okay. This is like a better timeline than what I put together, damn it. <laughs> but all her videos are gone because all the YouTubes are gone because she her YouTube is down. Mm. I don't know. Well, I can't find them, and that's unfortunate. I wish I fe- I feel like I didn't do enough research, even though I made a 15-page document. <laughs> but she got pullback <laughs> for depicting same-sex couples and people of color appropriately in her art. I wonder what that could mean. Well, the way the YouTube channel that was talking about it was painting it was like as if they were being they were just sort of using that as an excuse to go after her or something. But I don't know. I feel like that. I feel like the way that you interpret what's happening there depends highly on your politics. And I think her politics kind of come in later. Like, it's definitely a theme. It's definitely a theme. Yeah. Okay, um, what broader concepts do you think we can touch on with Shannon? Well, I think one of the most, I think that it's just interesting to think about how a creator can be so problematic and go undetected, or really because some of this was publicly visible if you looked, but yet it was uh, between like 2016 and 2018 she starts making videos so it's between 2018 and like 2021 you're saying that's the time frame in terms of her kind of going undetected as being as problematic as she was yeah like she was she it was visible but yet she's tied in with people like d'angelo wallace who's highly respected and i don't know enough to know like the story there but it's interesting of how does somebody kind of float through. Maybe it has to do with like the art of apologizing in a way that makes your audience stay on your team. Mm-hmm. And then the other big theme that I think is interesting about her 
is that she's a lot like Allie only in the YouTube space because she stalked someone since like 2011. I mean, there's just a kind of, I guess, I guess allegedly, but I think it's pretty clear. There's just a kind of behavior that is these patterns that I guess it makes sense that you would be attracted to influencer life. And obviously all influencers aren't stalkers, but Mm -hmm. some of them are, and that's just not who you want to follow. So you need to be able to find these, like spot these patterns and understand when a creator is problematic before they actually get big and then get canceled. So you can protect yourself. And so we can just have like a better, (laughs) a better online environment. That's not hostile and, you know, doesn't reward that kind of behavior. So I just think it's interesting that she, that it took somebody de-anonymizing her on the lolcow forum for her to kind of really lose followers. And then uh, I don't know what's going on with this copyright claim where her channel's down now, but it's down. And it sounds kind of similar again to some of the stuff that we went through with Ali. So I think that's interesting too, because there was that whole situation with the drag queens where, um, yeah, so there's some YouTuber named Jake Yance. In April 2020, he was accused of sexual harassment. And there were some drag queens who like boosted the accusation. And then uh, Shannon Creepshow Art was friends with Jake Yance. And so she made a video kind of defending him. But in the video, she, uh, I wrote down the quote. She said, because what was posted was revenge porn. His sex, his nudes was posted by and then retweeted by end quote, the drag queens. Um, But they didn't retweet his nudes. And so later she's claiming in a different text or on a tweet, I think it was on, uh, she says, I literally said they spread sexts that he sent as a minor because they did. And those tweets are still up. Literally fact check me right now. All the tweets I included in the video are still up. But like the fact check is that what she said in the video is his nudes were posted and retweeted by them. So that's very different. And then later, uh, yeah, there was this like wave of demonetizations that were directed toward, I think, a couple of different, I think, commentary channels. And uh, her account got wrapped up in that. So it got demonetized. But there was attention like she brought attention toward the issue and it got reversed. But in the meantime, while it was demonetized, one of those drag queens uh, took credit based on legal action and said that, like, there was some kind of legal action they took. But then it was also seemed to be related to multiple accounts and it was reversed. So the channel that was talking about that, which I think was Turkey Tom, was saying that that was probably not true because it got reversed so quickly. But in our situation, we saw that, too, where the, the platforms were really not uh, they were kind of inconsistent in what they were deciding about it. And it kind of was based on how many people wrote in, which was mm-hmm. a little bit weird and disturbing. Like it shouldn't really have that much to do with it that you have so many people that write in and then your account gets unbanned when it was formally. And in this case, it's a demonetization. So that's a little different, but it shouldn't really be affected by follower accounts. So you can see how you would think that was just not true based on that, but it really was in, in our experience. So, so you, I don't know. Um, so it could be that there was some drag queens trying to get her down for a while at this point. Okay. So I'm making a, I'm trying to take notes while you're talking. So when it comes to Shannon in the Shannon episode, something important to talk about would be how does 
someone like her get away with being so terrible for so long undetected yeah, and be able yeah. to grow their account like that. And the only way that they're held accountable for how they really are is when their anonymity is taken away on a completely different platform. Or just when there's some kind of tipping point, I guess, because it's interesting too, that she was around 500,000 followers, like half a million is, I don't know. I mean, I wonder, I think follower count does play into like how cancelable you are, but also the other thing I think plays in is what kind of audience, what, what does your audience expect versus how does your story play out, which we were kind of talking about with Amberlynn Reed, but there was one, wait, I want to check the, the YouTube video again. So I'm not like, cause these are all YouTubers. So I'm going to like give them credit for what they say about it. Ooh, what video was People this? remember heartwarming ads. I don't care so about that. It was Turkey Tom again. Okay. I quoted Turkey Tom a lot. Um, he said, this is a quote from that video. The issue with Creepshow Art is not that she's a bad person. The issue is that her actions completely contradict everything she stood for in her videos. They went against the very reasons people subscribed to her in the first place. And that also made me think of the Amberlynn Reed thing and how it seems like some of those commenters are disappointed in her because mm -hmm. it's like that must, that's kind of part of the, like we're saying, we think Shannon doesn't really fit lol cow status here and she doesn't she she's not quite that but maybe there's some kind of a spectrum of all of this going on i don't know and that seems to be a trait of or like maybe something that predisposes you to become one or something is like when you start out saying this is what my channel's about or or you build up an audience with a certain expectation of you or what you'll give them and then you just very consistently break your promises to your audience, whatever those are. Like, it seems much harder to cancel somebody when they, in the first place, just built up like an audience that uh, that wouldn't be upset if they, you know, used a slur or something. It's much harder to cancel somebody like that. So it's yeah. really, I think it has a lot to do with like what your audience expects of you. And I think that's kind of the case with Shannon. She broke her audience's expectations because they wanted somebody controversial, but at the same time, she she postured as somebody that cared a lot about the quote unquote SJW, not cared a lot about it, but under like had her own opinions, but at least understood and like was respectful about language. Like one of the things that was, uh, she was like misgendering her sibling and doxing her sibling <laughs> allegedly um, mm -hmm. on the, on the forums. But that's like not something I think she would have done in public, for example even if she is right. calling some people SJWs or whatever. So I think there was like a level of disappointment with the audience. Like she used a lot of slurs. She used slurs for autistic people. She used slurs for trans people in those messages, those anonymous messages. I think that's, um, I think her audience would have been very disappointed to, to read all that. Well, I think that goes back to what I was saying in the local episode is people... Like people on 4chan and people on Lokau, specifically 4chan, from what I've heard of it, how there's a certain level of anonymity there. So societal standards don't really apply. And everyone's kind of on level playing field because no one's identity is being exposed. So you can be who you truly are and see how you truly feel about things, no matter how terrible it is. And part of me kind of wants to talk about... Uh, where do you kind of draw the line separating your profession from your personal life? And I know maybe the lines are kind of blurred when you're a social media 
influencer or some kind of like social media personality or YouTube personality, where do you separate the person's work from their personal beliefs? Because if no one had exposed who she really was on Lohau, no one would know how she really felt about these things. And so is there a certain level of protection that we should have when it comes to what we really think about things? Should that reach over into the work that we do when our work doesn't talk about any of this stuff? Those are very good questions. Because YouTube was her job. She wasn't saying all these inflammatory things for her job, like in her art. She was doing it on like a shitpost site where you could be terrible with some level of anonymity to it. Well, I think the reason she even got de-anonymized on the forums is because she actually was breaking some of their rules, for example, by promoting her own stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, th I think that's that's one of their lines, apparently. Which but even then, it should be like, okay, you get kicked off the site or you get banned, not exposed. Like that's kind of, Not that I'm saying she should have been protected. I'm not condoning any of her actions, but it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's kind of extreme. Is that the rule? You break the rules so we expose everything you've ever posted so people can do with that what they will. Yeah, I think that is actually spelled out in the rules. And oh, I'm God. yeah, I think it's a pretty dangerous site to even engage in for that reason, because I mean, and for other reasons, because I don't know, it's like an entire energy. Like I've never been on that site. I have not creeped on on that site at all or on either on any of those sites, you know, but uh, the one she was on was Little Cow Farms and. I haven't looked and it's because it feels to me like just a dark energy. Like it just feels like, I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of these people are are more bark than bite or they're more online than real world, but there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of just um, dehumanization on that site. So yeah, like that's part of that culture, I think, over there. No, it just seems like it shouldn't reach over. But then there's that whole thing of like, well, if you're an online social social media influencer, if you're an influencer of any kind, then it's just par for the course and you just get to be abused any which way if you, you know, upset anyone. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I do think that you should be allowed to believe what you believe. And we are people. So there has to be room to grow. And I think that's why, I mean, it seems like in the, in these situations and with a lot of these YouTubers, it, it seems like there is room to grow. Usually if there's some kind of like apology and gesture toward doing better, it seems like the audiences are willing to like accept that and leave space for their favorite creators to evolve. Maybe on YouTube, not so much TikTok. No, not on TikTok. You're right. TikTok is ruthless. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a difference there. You're totally right. YouTube culture seems to be that though. Like, yeah, like, have you ever seen a TikTok apology that worked? I never have. Never, never. Like, it almost doesn't matter what you do. It's just going to be read as insincere on there. I think that the parasocial relationship is different on YouTube because there's more of a time invest investment in whoever it is you're watching. There's more effort put into the content made and more time invested in consuming the content. 
Yeah. And you can probably know your creators at a little bit of a deeper level. Or you think you do. Yeah. Well, you feel like you do. They share deeper. Probably you can share more complex parts of yourself with that extra time as I think we have found. So that makes sense. But yeah, interest, true and interesting observation. It's very different with apology videos on YouTube and TikTok, but there, it seems like there is space for people's favorite YouTubers to kind of grow and be a little bit more human. Mm -hmm. um, and there's more at stake with YouTube. Like if you're in the hundreds of thousands, you're, you're paying all your bills with that money. <laughs> like you're living a decent life off of that income. So yeah. there's more at stake. YouTube actually pays its creators a little bit more. TikTok is like pennies and seas. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so personal belief. I feel like people are going to have problematic beliefs and, and do need space to work through those things. But it also has to do with your conduct and how you're affecting other people. Like if you're really privately stalking someone for a decade, then... Mm -hmm then I don't think that, I think that that needs to be aired. And if it's really like, if you're just harming someone that aggressively and it's like, you're not improving and you're not, um, you're not taking it upon yourself to get therapy for that or growing out, growing in any way from it, but you're maintaining mm -hmm. a facade that, you know, that your audience wouldn't expect that of you, then I think it's not unfair to air it out. So I think that's another good talking point that we can cover. Okay, so, so far I have a couple bullet points. How does an influencer get away with being like that for so long? Breaking audience expectations. Anonymity being taken away when there's like a common understanding that you can speak freely anonymously. Um, participating in gang stalking, which she did with her and her husband and that Emily lady against that Emily lady. Yeah. Um, problematic personal beliefs and how far reaching should it be in terms of being exposed for what you personally believe if it's not in your professional work and then stalking someone for a decade um, and being exposed for that she wasn't really exposed for that by the general public the person she was stalking yeah made a very in-depth point by point factual video about her which silenced her it didn't silence her but she didn't say anything for like six months she stayed completely quiet after that video was put out um shannon did and she didn't respond on youtube for like a full six months so i think being silent for that time uh like we talked about in that one episode in last season choosing silence over being silenced and of the pros and cons and what can happen when you're not speaking out how the story can kind of evolve without your input which was probably for the best because what emily said was true and people were able to draw their own conclusions about shannon and when she came out with her own video it really didn't help because she just proved everyone's point i think it's a little bit of a different situation on tiktok too right yeah, but TikTok. I think part of it is the the lack of linearity, the lack of context, the lack of perme permeability, not permeability, permanence, like uh, long lastingness of the content. It's just gone in a flash. Yeah, Since and you can look like anything in short form content. You can be anyone in sixty seconds. Yeah, and it's so, and it's also just the organization. Like you go on somebody's wall and you try to scroll down, and very quickly you have like. If something happened five days ago and that creator makes six videos a day, it's going to be really hard to find that content all of a sudden. 
So you can find it, but it's just not organized to where there's a lot of context for a lot of reasons. So that makes sense why it's easy to kind of float by on TikTok without people really knowing what's going on. On YouTube, it's a different story, but it still does speak to the extreme amount that having an audience can really boost your voice and like the amount that it matters that a lot of people hear your message for it to kind of affect a change of some kind because mm-hmm. if you're just screaming into the void like if you don't have a lot of eyeballs on your message it almost just doesn't even count in a way like it's not mm-hmm. going to affect the overall narrative of what's happening so it was interesting because Emily Artful kind of had her own audience in her own right enough that she could say something when she was ready to but somebody that didn't have a YouTube audience, where are you going to start? Yeah. Get some people on your side and get some kind of tipping point amount of people talking about it. And that is much harder to do if you don't have your own audience already. Mm-hmm. And if your audience is not the kind of audience that would boost you. So that, yeah. So it's not always easy to just, and again, I don't think that our brains think of audience size as have as being more social power but uh or not naturally but it really is people just take someone more seriously when they have more followers and it can be kind of like a reciprocal effect that's not that there's not like a foundation in actual quality of the person's like mm-hmm. platform or message it's just they gained followers which could be for some unrelated reason they were pretty whatever yeah, um, the art had one it. viral video that had nothing to do with yeah, anything. Coincident- like, like in this uh, timeline that we're looking at, there's this early kind of situation where Shannon had covered somebody. It was the uh, the Cristalli situation. So she had covered this other creator, and then that creator happened to be later arrested on trafficking and CP charges, which is very dramatic in its own right. And mm-hmm. then because she had made a video she ended up getting a boost in the algorithm and you know the thinking shifted around her so just like instant authority yeah yeah exactly and it doesn't have to do with how even necessarily the quality of the information in the video so then suddenly that number of that audience reciprocally makes people feel like that channel is higher quality and the information is better and there's loosely maybe a correlation there because if you're just terrible, people probably unfollow. Yeah. But it's a loose correlation. Uh, this is, we don't have to keep this in, but this totally reminds me of like, someone's mm-hmm. going to die from this. Someone's going to die from this. And somebody died from this. Yeah. Instant authority on the topic. Yeah. Someone eventually died. Then she became like the go-to person for anyone that dies because of any spirituality. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that was in that. I don't know whether to keep that in either because the whole thing is just like still goddamn ongoing. And yeah, this all this does remind me a lot of our situation because it's just Mm -hmm. like, what do you do when somebody has the kind of power of half a million followers behind them, which again is like even more dramatic when you're talking YouTube than TikTok? But either way, that many people and they're your obsessive stalker. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you do then? I mean, we, we know what we did, but what do you do? Like, what? Do you, what? what <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do? think it. 
Yeah. It definitely, I, I try to think of, yeah, what if Emily Artful didn't have the platform that she had? Yeah. Or what if she wasn't crazy the, like, She had to be really vulnerable. I watched that video when it, like I said, when it, it showed up on my, on my uh, YouTube feed when it came out and I watched it and I, re- and I had watched Shannon's video before about the stalker Amy. And I was like, oh my God. And part of the reason for that video being so gripping and believable was that she was very vulnerable. She, she mm-hmm. was very open about a lot of things that I think if I had gone through them, I would, I would have pain going through those things and having, yeah. and it's like a person who really just had to had to really overcome a lot to get to the point of even being able to make that video and talk about all that and move beyond it mm-hmm. and heal from it. And it sounded like a person who had been through a hell of a lot. And, you know, that takes strength. That takes like, that takes uh, working on yourself a lot to get to the point where you can even handle all that. So like, yeah, if she hadn't been exactly that person who could tell her story that way, maybe it would have just all gone and, or yeah, if she wasn't as um, relatable and she is a beautiful person. Like if she wasn't as beautiful, if she wasn't as, if she didn't have her channel, I don't know. Like there's a million reasons why people could have just received it differently, but it could have been the same situation. And then what do you do? There's just all these piling up stories under the surface of people that weren't believed or whatever. Yeah. I mean, eventually, I think eventually when you're somebody who's, whose tendency is this kind of stalkering obsessive behavior eventually there's a trail eventually there's like a history there where you're like what gee why do all your friendships blow up like this you know like mm-hmm. but takes time to build that trail and until then that's why they say believe victims and there's always context but uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's going she to needed to be. She needed to be exactly who she is for any of this to work. Yeah, and okay. if she wasn't someone with a platform of her own, uh, I don't know many people that would have survived what she endured for so long. It yeah. would have taken some kind of direct action from multiple people to have some kind of impact in terms of like exposing for Shan, exposing Shannon for who she is. And the whole lol cow thing, the website, mm-hmm. and taking away her anonymity, that that wasn't an Emily thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a completely yeah. separate thing that also needed to happen kind of in orchestra with Emily's video. It was multiple yeah. things that need to happen, which is kind of what happened with us. There was a whole chain of events. Everyone that was being targeted by our cyberbully each had to take our own action Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like coordinated. It wasn't timed, but we were all kind of supporting each other and doing what we needed to do to take our bully, not necessarily take her down, but kind of neutralize her sting so we could stop being hurt every day. Yeah. Yeah. And then plus it sounds like these drag queens also on the back end were uh, somehow involving themselves in, or at least they were stating that they were in doing some legal actions which it also sounds like we had a similar experience in that way where there's like different people acting and some people are taking a legal route. Some people are taking a more, a more route of let's get back in control of a narrative that's been taken away from us. And you kind of have to work in tandem and sometimes maybe somebody can do both of those things, but 
you're only in the position you're in with the kind of different power that you have, whether that's a financial kind of power or an influential kind of power. Yeah. And I think it does take more than just one person to, to, to do this kind of thing. It takes some kind of, some kind of set of incidents. There's also varying levels of harm with our kind of like group situation, but what Emily Artful went through, first of all, Shannon married her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Imagine your stalker digging through your exes and marrying one of them. That's a big whoa. But <laughs> well, they all seemed apparent. I think they all kind of knew each other from like high school. And they I think that Shannon worked at Anthony's. They were at, I think they worked at a coffee shop together. And that's how they met. So I don't think it was like. I don't think it was like Shannon like tracked down Emily's life and then found that guy. And then I think they all kind of knew each other early on, which is even more of a weird small world that they, they all, they both ended up as like art YouTubers too. Yeah. I mean, there's a million men in the world though. Seriously. There's so many men she's from. Yeah. And that guy seemed really upset. Honestly, that guy seemed kind of obsessed with Emily. So that seems like not a great dynamic to start off with. No. But, I mean, Shannon went after Emily's job, got her fired from jobs. She ended up homeless because she wasn't able to work. Like, having someone just on you like that relentlessly for years? Oh, my God. Not many people would have survived that. Literally. You can't even keep a roof over your head because your bully wants to make sure you can't succeed at anything you do. Yikes. Yeah, and it seemed very much like a gang stalking situation and like a a situation where the goal was really to like ruin her life, not just to kind of like keep tabs or anything, but there were like all these fake accounts that would pop up to antagonize her all the time. It was like a whole psyop, which mm-hmm. is just so much energy to put into someone. Yeah, I mean, we're, but we're living through that right now. It's, it's so similar. Yeah. Yeah. Except for, can you imagine if this has been, if this would go on for 10 years? Cause I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I would have as much grace as Emily artful in, in after a decade of this. I mean, we're at the five month mark and I don't have a lot of grace now. <laughs> I think you've had a lot of grace, honestly. Um, yeah. What's your next, what's the next thing on your list? Um, so Shannon was doing her art YouTube commentary thing and building her audience with a persona that was kind of separate from her personal beliefs, like problematic personal beliefs. But she went on Locale or maybe some other sites, but Locale seems to be the one where she was really just letting it all hang out and sharing how she really felt about people there under the shroud of anonymity not being exposed. So with that being taken away, that's what was like the catalyst for her downfall. But where do you draw the line between your personal beliefs affecting your professional life, especially if you're being intentional about keeping those things separate? Well, I think this was a this was not such clear cut lines because of the fact that the forums had the rule that I think that it's explicitly. And again, I haven't been on these forums I probably eventually, since we're talking about this, I'll probably eventually have to investigate them. But like, uh, just dark energy over there, I think. And I have 
I've stayed away so far, but from my second party things that I've read, the rules say, let me just even, maybe I can look it up without going on a thing now. I don't even want to click in. I just don't want to do it. I don't like it. But anyway, it's, uh, I do believe, it, I'm even looking at just the summary on Google. So the rules on the forum say that they'll revoke your anonymity if you break the rules. So you know you're kind of signing on for that. And also the fact that the one of the rules that she was breaking was that she was promoting herself. So I think for those two reasons, it's it's justifiable to revoke the anonymity. Like it's just, uh, it, she was tying it into her own job. You know, if you just yes. think your thoughts in your head, then you're allowed to do that. But I, again, I think that line is where you, where is it affecting other people? When When is your belief system making someone else's life horrible yeah. <laughs> unfairly unjustly and in this case it was because she was i mean the worst thing is the stalking thing i mean that's where it's like all in real life there's a lot of kind of i don't know there was also a lot of like all the a lot of these posts um that were de-anonymized were really backstabby there were like eight or ten different creators that she was publicly nice to and said horrible things behind their backs and like slurs against them like that ugh. and she's promoting her herself uh and her income her source of income she's promoting it while she's doing that or like using those posts to do that so that's yeah that's different than i think it's perfectly fine to just have whatever beliefs in your own head you have but once you start to form a hate group around your beliefs or whatever, or once you, you know, that's, that's when it's then not cool and it should affect your income or whatever. I, mean, I don't know what you think. I mean, I think it's reasonable for certain thoughts to eventually leave your head and some kind of forum, some kind of community to be built around common shared beliefs, even if those beliefs are terrible. But it, when it reaches outside of that group, and you're targeting people, I think that's a reasonable line to draw. But it, even if you think terrible things and believe terrible things, it, it makes sense that terrible people are going to join together in some kind of community. And I think that's fine, but just like, don't, it doesn't need to reach me. It doesn't need to reach anybody else. Like keep your little cloistered, closeted, disgusting group in the closet. That's interesting. Cause yeah, like, so we're dealing with this weird little side situation right now because we met this lovely person on TikTok whose story we're kind of starting to follow. And because I, under our, our one account, I made some comment on one of her videos and she is, um, allegedly, and, and according to what I'm looking at being gang stalked by a group of women and, what one of the big red flags about the whole thing is that I made some comment on there. Like she had made some video and I said, Oh, relatable in the comments, like just some friendly, Hey, relatable. Not like, mm -hmm. you know, not tagging a bunch of people, not bashing anyone. She just made, she made some educational content. I think about narcissism relatable. She makes great um, content. Yeah. I really like the content. Suddenly I'm getting tagged in 15, 20 videos a day from these women who are like, oh, really? You're going to be friends with that horrible, 
per- they call women people heifers. Like they're just terrible. Like, and just the whole thing feels so gross because like, why are you, why do you need me? Why do you need me to think badly of her just because I'm in her comments saying relatable about something like that's a red flag. You can think whatever mm-hmm. you think, but you know, but she's not tagging me in 15 videos a day about how terrible you are. All I know so far is she's like telling her story and she's doing educational content. I don't think it's it's appropriate to tag me in 15 videos and try to turn me against somebody. That's what a smear campaign looks like. So and I'm the lady that we're talking about, she's not bashing these people to us. No, like she's not trash talking them to us at all. No. And none of these people tagging our accounts know anything about us we don't know anything about them yeah. but just knowing just seeing us on the other woman's page we're instant enemies and they feel like they can reach over and poke at us j- just because yeah. they just feel and entitled now, to now they're trying to discredit our podcast like they duetted one of our trolls and uh they were like sitting there nodding all like bitchily trying to discredit the podcast and like not because we went up against them not because we said anything to them because i commented like something something akin to relatable in the comment mm-hmm. section of a pretty much an educational video about narcissism or whatever it was like that says a lot about you and your character ladies so yeah. um so i think there's some red flag kind of things like it is mm-hmm. like part of what is a problem with that to me is that it is like reaching outside of like, you can think whatever you want about this person. You can disagree. And if I am, if I'm a good, you know, investigative person here, I'm going to look into both sides. I'm going to check out both videos. And if I don't, and I just believe one side and then I'm just not a very good source and people should figure that out. And I shouldn't really have such a big platform anyway. I hope I'll do better than that. These people have no idea what, all think and it's like you can feel that they they have this compulsion to control that and I to triangulate one side and to triangulate yeah and to distance their target from anybody and also if we're going to openly align with this person we have to be discredited too that is a level of control that you don't exert when you're the victim of a <laughs> like that's not that's not what we ran around trying to do we did not run around trying to get pixie frogs to agree with us who cares you can have pixie frogs no one's trying to discredit pixie frogs and whatever. Like, who cares? Oh. We're trying to just not have, you know, don't bring this into our real life. Stop calling my university. Like, that's the problem. The problem is not that you have friends that believe you. So I think that is kind of a difference. And that's like a red flag to me is that we got tagged in these like 15, 20 videos. And, you know, I don't need, I don't, that's an energy. That's a red yeah. flag energy. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. 
take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. But anyway, yeah, let's get back. Let's finish up this Shannon episode because I think we have a solid good chunk of an episode here. We should finish strong. All right, back on the Shannon track. Whew, okay. Let me open up the timeline, Doc. Let's see. What else can we touch on? Yeah, any other questions on your list that you made? Because I liked that list. Uh, I think we covered every we covered everything on the list. Oh, okay. Or at least well, everything I had. I mean, I kind of went through and like cataloged some like Omnia did a two part video on Creep Show and the whole Lol Cow post history. And there were almost 300 posts between like 2018 and 2022. And a lot of them are, I don't know, like it's the same thing with Ali again, where it's like minutia. But mm -hmm. when, when you understand the volume of it, you know, and the, and the, intensity of it then you're like oh like the amount of energy this person had to put into all these comments or whatever yeah which I think is hard to it's hard to convey when you just do one or two without reading through the whole thing and I don't we probably don't have time to and I don't necessarily want to but uh there was a lot of posts and she goes against a lot of different creators too um allegedly because I guess the way that they put it the way that they figured out who she was was by tracking the IP addresses and you can spoof IP addresses. So I think it's pretty close to proven. And also she, well, she said something in kind of a follow-up comment that at least made the mods pretty sure that it was, she was basically confirming that the messages were her, but it is allegedly because you can spoof IP addresses. So, mm. but anyway, and that's how they, that's how they de-anonymized was by finding the ones under her IP address. But anyway, it seems that she, I mean, it seems like a pretty solid case that she wrote these things and there's a lot of it and it's a lot of like backstabbing and a lot of just like, I don't know, like stuff that you really, it's kind of scary to think people walk around thinking this stuff. And then of course you would only want to say it privately. Like again, some of these slurs are just like, why? Yeah. Like, I don't walk around thinking in slurs, you know, like, why do you feel the need? I mean, I wonder if she was getting good feedback for these things on that website. Because you only keep posting like that if you're getting the kind of response you want to you get, right? Yeah, maybe it was kind of like the culture of the forum, but it's just very snipey. And I mean, you said, you brought up this point that apparently these forums are women dominated, which I did not realize. Well, from what I've seen in TikTok comments about these specific forums, 4chan is like mostly men and Lokau is 4chan for women. Yeah, which was not my impression, but maybe. I mean, it's kind of disturbing to think because it is like, I think women on women abuse. <laughs> Like, mm. it can be much more devious. It stings like, more. Yeah, there's, like, a surface-level violence to what men do, but they don't think that deeply. Like, mm -hmm. like if a woman hates you and really wants to be petty and a terrible person, she's going to go for your soul. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's going to go for what her. would hurt her. Yeah. Yeah, and when you have empathy, that's that's something that you can use to understand somebody 
you can understand what their what their damages are and then you can use those if you want to it's like it's like a villainy but you can use what, them what confuses me about creep show is you have this really successful youtube channel people respect your opinion they they love they love your art you're making good money from your youtube channel you're married to someone that you love that supports you in your work like you're living the life a lot of people aspire to live why would you be so hateful to people that you pretend to be friends with like people that you've aligned yourself with no one held a gun to your head to be friends with any of these other influencers or youtubers like you entered into these friendships on your own because you wanted to why turn around and be so hateful for what why risk everything you've built just to act like this on some like snark site well yeah good question but also maybe it's because she thought she would get away with it like maybe she just um thought that it wasn't something she would have to come to account for well that's entitled well yeah i mean and i'm just i'm just guessing but uh i don't know why else you would if you thought it was a serious risk i'm not sure unless you had some kind of like risk taking predisposition but uh, i do think that a lot of people probably take opportunities just thinking that nobody will catch them maybe sometimes mm -hmm. people don't but i think a lot of times like people who are like criminals like serial killers or whatever try to get close to their crime scenes and have a level of of audacity mm -hmm. <laughs> think that they can and that they're not going to get caught and uh not to compare this to like but i just i guess if you're going to do anything that's like naughty that's not uh not kosher there's definitely people going around the world that just probably feel entitled to it or just want to see if they can take it. Yeah. But you're right. Like it's, uh, you'd have to care a lot about dominating. And I think that's something I'm noticing about this whole, like the control, the level of control people need over other people. Mm -hmm. Like they feel and the, and the, the level where it's like, it's not enough for me that I took your boyfriend. It's not enough for me that I have a bigger channel than you. It's not enough for me. I kind of need you to die. I kind of need you to stop mm -hmm. existing because that's kind of the ultimate domination. And so when domination is your motive, that's something that's like, you have to constantly kind of, you have to always push farther. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that shouldn't be, that's really dangerous if there's a large uh, creator with a large following. And then that's their motive is really to dominate. And probably that kind of uh, career calls to people who want to dominate. And probably they have some initial success, but it's important to watch out for, I think, red flags and creators because you can, it's yeah. just a huge amount of unwieldy power these people get for sometimes no reason at all. And they get rewarded for being sensational in any way, like being sensational because they're at what they do they have some kind of talent or being sensational for being particularly shitty yeah it's easy to lean into the shittiness and like i said if you build your audience around the expectation that that's how you're going to be you're kind of impervious to being canceled 
because you can't really get canceled from the outside. I feel like, I feel like for cancellation to really stick in any way, it kind of has to be from the inside. And we're kind of seeing that with our situation too. Like it kind of, it kind of did stick. Like we, we kind of made it work, but also like, it's like a zombie situation too, because (laughs) like all these trolls get resurrected over and over from the dead. They respawn. And I think part of the problem is like, it wasn't that, like, I think there was some level of disappointment because of the blocking when you promise to be a comfort creator and then you block your people, Mm -hmm. some level of resentment. So, okay. They're disappointed enough in you to do that separation, but that's not that that's not like a huge slight. You got blocked. Okay. It's different than if you're really, you know, you think that you're you think that your creator is like not transphobic and they're using trans like slurs for, to describe people in these forums anonymously. Like that's just a different level of disappointment than somebody blocked me. And so I think it's much easier to cancel somebody when, when the audience is disappointed and it's much harder. It's much harder if they're there from the beginning, expecting that the creator is going to be shitty. It's like an armor. It's like the audience then becomes part of that tornado. You know, on the topic of blocking, I've noticed that with our podcast socials, like on TikTok and on Instagram, because that's where we're most active right now, mm-hmm. people will come to the main TikTok, which is the one that I post to, you, and you do the After Dark one. Um, people will come to my TikTok, my page, and be really shitty and snarky and mean and then i'll either match their energy which i'll try not to do that as much anymore but i'll either match their energy or block them or both and then i'll see them in the comments of (laughs) of your tiktok the dogs after dark and they'll be like well they just block everyone (laughs) <laughs> or or they'll go on our Instagram and like see they just they just block everybody and it's like wait wait a minute you're being a shit <laughs> why wouldn't I block you yeah some kind of clarifying question or you're confused about something you called us stupid bitches or whatever and then you were blocked and now you're mad that you're blocked <laughs> it's like a disappointment on a different level that they couldn't like continue to engage us in abuse yeah it's about that control thing again it's like you're coming in here to try to control you think you get some space on our page you think you should have carte blanche to say whatever you think with zero context and whoops someone was in control of those comment sections curating them which is allowed it's allowed and in fact it's healthy boundaries and when you don't have healthy boundaries you don't understand them very well or sometimes I think even if you do in real life, you just haven't thought about it on TikTok and haven't thought about these dynamics. And that's what we're here for. But but I think when you when you when when it's when you're not holding good boundaries, that's when you get mad about something like that. And that's when you create a bunch of accounts to go back and keep bothering that person and insist yeah. on in their space in their life. Like that's that on its face in a way by itself is just abusive like don't continue to go into someone's space when they would like and like yeah like it's tiktok it's it's youtube it's social media at the end of the day people are going to do that 
Mm-hmm. But does that make it ethical? Does that make it like a good boundaries? No, you're being unhealthy and you're you're invading someone's space. It's a kind of violence. It's yeah. a kind of violence. And people should be more, people should be conscious. People should practice conscious awareness of that. And then it's like a sign. It's, you know, when somebody is trying to invade your space like that, that's not a person any we want in our audience anyway. We're not talking to you. You're not somebody yeah. that we're ever going to convince. And so why would we try? We can recognize that. I know it's upsetting to you that you don't get to take up a bunch of our time because we recognize from the start that you were never going to buy into it. And it doesn't matter that you do. You want it to matter, but it doesn't. And so enjoy being blocked. Like it's okay. Different street. And people get so mad about bubbles. When I was, um, when I was, when I was following the U.S. elections in like 2015, 2016, that was a huge rhetorical point that everybody kept bringing up was, well, you can't really know what you're talking about because you're in a bubble. And that wasn't just directed at me. It was like everyone was saying that to everyone. You're in some kind of bubble and you're not looking outside of it enough to understand what's happening in the broader world. You're in a bubble. And I so intentionally, so autistically (laughs) tried to not be in a bubble for that reason and left myself open to you know, just taking in anything that I could find on all sides of any issue. And, and eventually it was like, it's too much information. Eventually Mm -hmm. you have, you eventually it's okay to have sources that you start to trust more than others. Yeah. It's okay to just be like, well, I've determined that's a bad source. There's no reason to keep listening to it. There's Mm -hmm. no reason to keep listening to that person because I know already that they pretty consistently don't say things that are true or don't say things that are, that hold up or whatever. Um, that's okay. And so it was like, I eventually, you know, and I think there is a level of too much bubble and Mm -hmm. there's balance, but there's also a level of not enough bubble. And it's absolutely okay to kind of protect your space and only take in what you're able to, I guess, handle, cope with. Mm -hmm. Sorry, there's some goddamn thing outside now. What the hell? What is even happening? There's like a very loud drilling noise now. Oh my God. Isn't it so late over there? Yeah, it's literally 1226. <laughs> 1226. I got to text my friend. That's our like synchronicity number. But yeah, sorry. I have to text my friend really quick. Okay. Now the drilling went away. And I forget what I was talking about. People make it seem like it's some kind of sign of weakness that you set a boundary with them or that you block them. It's yeah, like, oh, you can't weird. take my my abuse. You can't take my barrage of just saying incorrect things at you and not listening to you. Why, why should I have to? Why do you feel like I need to do that? Why do you <laughs> need you me accomplish? to do that? Yeah. Like, get a life, bro. Get, what? Yeah, go, just go in your own space. Rage all day. Like, make your own videos about someone. And, like, I guess tag them if you want. If they block you. Do not then reach out to their relatives or something. Like, do not then bring it, do not continue to invade their personal life. You should be done. That's you should boundaries. be done. Because you know what? What goes around comes around. If you want to reach into people's past and dig up their enemies and dredge up shit that can really damage their life, why would you think that your life is untouchable? Like, if you can do it that easily, anybody can do it that easily. Yeah. Like, I need people to think more critically 
and not be so impulsive and so reckless because you're not untouchable. You're not. It can be dangerous. And yeah, I agree. Like, and I mean, with this creep show situation, who it's in the rules that you could have been de-anonymized. Mm-hmm. There has to be a level of entitlement to think you're going to get away with it. Yeah. Allegedly. And you really should think because also it's, it's a, it's a feeling like all of this is so fleeting mm-hmm. and some of this stuff was over the course of years. I'm sure that she did not think three years ago that that stuff was going to be tracked over the course of those years. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel similarly about some of the stuff on Facebook. I've done a big overhaul of my Facebook recently, but like, there's stuff that you really don't think in the moment is going to be forever. And yeah. and it's kind of trite and cliche to say the internet's forever, but it is in some ways, sometimes inter- information gets lost, data gets mm-hmm. lossy. It's hard to store a bunch of videos, for example, you know, and if your account goes down, you might lose all your videos if you don't back them up. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, you never know which one of those videos somebody saved. You never know. Even if you had it up for two seconds, even the first viewer could have downloaded and saved it really and it could really be up forever and it's always something to keep in the back of your mind because Mm -hmm. i mean it shouldn't it shouldn't stop you up like it shouldn't it shouldn't mean that you should never post anything necessarily but don't forget that it really could come up years later and that's Mm -hmm. what happened yeah that's what happened in that case with this with these forums like i could not imagine thinking I was anonymous and then like I could not imagine someone finding all my old reddit posts I don't remember what I said in some of those oh my god like uh that would be terrible you know so you gotta you gotta and it's it's important to be mindful of the kind of stuff you're posting and be mindful of who's going to be looking at your content also um be careful of recording yourself everywhere because there's some real creepers on the internet like recording yourself outside of your house on your street at your local grocery store at your gym at your spa like all of that background information that is information on where you are where you go regularly so if you're gonna be a little shit on the internet like be more discerning Yeah. And think about time-based stuff too. Like if you're going on vacation, it's a good piece of advice to not post until after you're home for the vacation. Mm-hmm. Things like that, because yeah, you're really not, you're not protected at all. All it takes is for someone to be consciously looking for it and it's yeah. pretty much all there. And we've seen, we've witnessed firsthand how evil people can be when they just decide not to like you. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be, you can not expect it. It can be years without anything like that going on. And then suddenly someone, you catch someone's attention. Now the things you posted 10 years ago matter. Yeah. I can't imagine being in this situation like Emily Artful and having like a decade of this experience before even coming out and saying anything. And I can't imagine putting out that video, kind of knowing who you're going up against and that they had that following because it is like a punching arm when you have a following like that. Like she had to have known that there was going to be. Do we know what the catalyst was? Do we know what the catalyst was for her making that video? Speaking, I believe it was. I believe it was the lolcow forums because uh, Shannon had never publicly talked about Emily Artful ever, as to my knowledge. But privately in the forums, she was like all over the place mm. and nasty about her. 
And then she had put out this video about Amy or whatever. And then I think Emily's response was basically just, yeah, I think it was prompted by the little cow forum de-anonymization. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And just like the language she used too, where she's just like, you know, I'm not afraid of these people anymore. They can't do anything to me. That's the language of somebody that had to overcome a lot of a lot of things and like really set their ego aside and be brave. So commended. Yeah. And you could hear it in that video. I remember listening to that video and just like jaw on the floor because it was just like, Oh no. And it was so well laid out. It was just like totally, you know, pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> it was the energy of someone who wasn't in survival mode anymore. Yeah. You think so much more clearly when you're not living in fear every day of what these online weirdos will do. Yeah. Yeah, very good energy on that video. And it just, yeah, just thinking about it must have been a big choice after mm-hmm. 10 years to say, okay, we're going to do this, go public, whatever. And- this is why I'm so much on the fence of people saying, oh, don't, don't say anything. You're being bullied. Just, what if you're just quiet? What if, what if they just stop if you're just quiet? And like, what if they don't stop? What if they don't stop for 10 years? What if you're quiet for 10 years? And they make sure you never find another job. They make sure you can't take care of yourself. They make sure you can't earn a living. What if that happens? Then what? This is why we have this podcast. What Emily Artful did with that YouTube video is exactly why we have this podcast. Because being silent isn't always the answer. Because people that act at this level, people that cause harm at this level aren't just going to stop because you decided to be quiet. They want you dead. They want you dead pretty much. Yeah, there's a certain kind of people that does. And I think sometimes the answer is to stay quiet. And sometimes it it really just isn't and can't be. Mm -hmm. Because there really is a way, like there are ways that people can start to affect every part of your life. And people get creative. Yeah. Yeah. So what I think they want, they I want think. your silence because they're cowards. People that do this weird shit, they're really insecure and they're not brave. They're not courageous. They're just mean. All that energy that they have for you is just because they're mean. But once you start being vocal and pushing back on them, the energy changes. They're not so big and bad, really. Yeah. I was introduced to a brand new term today. <laughs> which looks like it was um, kind of recently added to Urban Dictionary, and it was called Darvo Diva. (laughs) (laughs) And it was perfectly described. I think kind of this situation too, it says a Darvo Diva is a female narcissist, sociopath, or psychopath typically found on social media, harassing others they don't like by obsessively talking about them, tagging them, using their real name, repeating the same lies over and over again, to drive their false narrative in the name of bringing awareness to an issue that has no real threat to the public, only their oversized ego and false persona they want their followers to believe. And if their victims dare to fight back, they scream they are the ones being victimized. These people are commonly referred to as a performative activist. <laughs> wow. We know Isn't that perfect. Like that? Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was that was perfect. And then there's like a little sentence that 
gives an example and it says, oh my God, she made over 20 videos tagging her victim's real name, then cried that she is the victim and she is the one being harassed when her victim only made one video to clear up the lie. She clearly lacks the self-awareness that she's the problem. What a Darvo diva. <laughs> wow, that's perfect. I swear that we did not do this entry into the Urban Dictionary. I swear that I was just told about it today and it's like perfect. It's so fitting. Wow. Yeah. So I guess that's a type, but yeah, I think it kind of fits here too. Just like, cause it's so interesting that somebody would release a video describing being stalked and then it's like the exact reverse story. And it's so hard because it is like, oftentimes when somebody is the first person to come out ahead of a story, you often the first version of a story is the one that you believe people can Mm -hmm. get really stuck in that. I think that happens. Yeah. Like people just really can get stuck in this idea that they know what's going on. And really, it really was just that that person got out of ahead of it first. Yeah. I think the best thing that you can do in a situation like this, when, like, if it feels right for you, when you're ready, tell your story. It's a lot of times that's all you can do is just tell your story. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxedthepodcast.com.